This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day going to talk to Tim Lacombe coming up here in a moment. Uh, of course, Tim, uh, part of our pre-half and post-game coverage for the Jazz, former BYU assistant coach. We'll ask him about uh, BYU Gonzaga tonight as well. And, uh, you know, uh, get Tim's thoughts on really uh, everything in the world of basketball. Basketball guy, right, Gordon? Oh, yeah. He uh, probably has forgotten more about the game than we ever knew, but uh, that's why it's so good to have him on. All right. In fact, let's get out to the zone phone. As I mentioned, uh, my co-host, Jazz Pre-Half and Post-Game, former BYU assistant coach, our good friend, Tim Lacombe. What's going on, Tim? Long time no see, Jake. Yeah, it's been a minute, buddy. Uh, we're spending <laughs> a lot of time together these days. I'm enjoying it. I was thinking back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, but no. No, we just did back-to-back. Back. We get a game off, a night off, and, and we're hard at it tomorrow. And uh, we get a Sunday afternoon game, which I'm actually kind of looking forward to. Yeah, it's awesome. So I got a question uh, for you, Tim, about that. Uh, is it is Jake's negativity creeping up on you yet? Is it uh, bothering you? You know what? I haven't noticed negativity. Um, maybe it's because I'm negative too. I don't know. <laughs> well, you, but, don't, uh, you don't quite bring out the negativity like Gordon does, I think. <laughs> I, I will tell you, I, I am kind of a, I guess I'm more of a pacifist. And But I, you know, I, I, have, I came in here as the rook and Jake's the veteran. I just kind of do what I'm told. And try to not cause waves. You know, that's wow. my whole approach. It's been that's fun. Why, that's why Jake loves maybe working with you so Gordy. much. Yeah, Gordon, maybe, <laughs> maybe you try that. No waves, Gordon. I'll just agree with everything Jake says. Perfect. I, I, I think that's a grand idea. I don't think Tim does that. <laughs> but he's too smart to do that. Uh, Tim, let's go, let's go over what happened last night. Why, was the, why did the first half and the second half look so differently? You know, I think that you guys um, – you know, everybody's been talking about different things, but I think that uh, really it's just, unfortunately, it was. I, I thought the approach offensively was good for most of the night. Um, you know, I think the offensive issues really, really started missing the shots they were getting that I felt like were good shots. Uh, the one kind of bugaboo offensively was the string of turnovers that got the Knicks back in the game. Uh, defensively, I, I still believe it's just an issue of, you know, being able to guard your guy, um, you know, as Locke would say, guard your yard and keep a dude in front of you and not let him break you down. And, and I think that that's one piece that this team, you know, like like we talked about in years past, it's just something this team's got to work on. So I want to ask you about the shooting accuracy because if they're getting good shots, then why can't they be a little more consistent in making them? In this game, we were talking about this earlier that the stars, the offensive stars on the Jazz, Bogdanovich, uh, Mitchell, and Conley, were a combined 13 of 47 from the floor. And like you said, and Jake said, things were going pretty well for them, and all of a sudden it just disappeared. Is that an increase in intensity on the defensive side from the Knicks, or is that the Jazz? Because it looks like the Jazz are just missing shots. Yeah, I, I feel like there's nights where they just miss shots, and I think – you know, minus the turnovers last night being a, you know, an issue. The 
missed shots certainly kind of reared their head. Um, I think in, in a couple of the other games where the Jazz struggled offensively, I felt like it was more um, their approach and maybe even shot selection that was in uh, how hard they were willing to work for what they wanted to get. Um, but, you know, it's crazy because they play these games, we sit back, you know, and we kind of analyze every single one of them, uh, try to, you know, got a day in between, two days in between. We try to really kind of cut down to what the essence of the issue is. And really, um, you know, th- there's all sorts of issues. But like I told Jake last night, if you look around the league, for the most part, this is, um, you know, it's an issue that they're having that, that all NBA teams are having one way or another. So it's just, uh, you know, this is what the Jazz issues are right now. Do you think toughness is an issue on this Jazz team? Tim Gordon and I were kind of getting into this a little bit today. Do they need? I don't know if it's a personnel like change, like somebody that come in and set the a tone of toughness. You know, like a Jay Crowder type, or if it's a mentality thing, or maybe it's not a problem at all. What do you think about that? Yeah, you know, the the one thing when I got out of coaching, I, I think, you know, the the one thing you never want to try, you never want to kind of be on the side of is questioning. A team's toughness per se. I think this team can can certainly benefit from uh, a better focus. Um, I think it's proven, you know, the way the staff's uh, been here and done what they've done. I think that you know the way they want to play is is right. Um, in terms of toughness, sometimes it's not just the physical toughness to shove people around, but it's it's kind of the mental tough mental toughness to play through some of the ups and downs of a game and and rally the troops, you know, in the middle of a game. Like, I feel like they did against Oklahoma City. I mean, that game was, was right there to be lost, and the Jazz figured out a way to, to win it. Um, and, you know, it wasn't pretty, but they figured out a way to win it. And, and to me, that's mental toughness. Um, so in that regard, I think that, you know, collectively the group, just like most, you know, organizations and teams could really benefit from somebody stepping out and just kind of leading the way from a – from a leadership mental standpoint to kind of drag the thing along. So then, okay, the offense is what it is, but when you look at the defense, as you watch this unfold, Tim, are the Jazz capable from a physical standpoint of playing better defense? Or is a guy like Bogdanovich just going to get beat? Uh, is Mike Conley just too short? I mean, what what, what do you make when you see it? Uh, is it is – it, insurmountable or is it something that uh, a new mental approach will change yeah um, that's a good question i think um you know as i think about teams that we had i always believe a team can be better uh, particularly on the defensive end but in order for that to happen everybody's kind of kind of got to commit to do their job and um you know we've talked about a bunch you know i think uh help the helper is a phrase that our our listeners are are used to because we talk about it a lot but the only way that help the helper works is if we're you know if, if everybody is actually doing their job and the hard part about defense sometimes you know the, the real glaring things when they just get driven to the rim and give up really easy baskets that way but there's other situations where you know on a pick and roll for instance when jared allen went crazy you know the jazz scheme on a pick and roll in the middle third of the floor is for the weak side guards to really um, occupy by really it's a bump really more than anything. It's stepping in at the junction and slowing that roll down by just physically bumping it, uh, something we saw Stockton do all the time. 
and and it's just something that you know you've got to do it every time and if you don't you know there's plays that end up like Jared Allen getting lobs and dunking at the rim and you know instantly you want to say oh the ball handler or Rudy but there's so much more to defense and that's the one hope I have is that you know this team can continue to gel and communicate um, and play better team defense which if you're playing good team defense and you've got the trust of everybody your individual defense gets better by you know just by that up next for the Jazz team, uh, the Bucks tomorrow night. Um, give us your thoughts on Milwaukee. Are they your favorites in the East? Um, you know, it's still a little bit early for me yet. Uh, I, I know it's not Philly. I won't pick Philly, even though they've gotten off to a great start. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's probably you know just by what everybody has and brought back. The Bucks were right there close last year, and you know, arguably have one of the more exciting players in the game, one of the more difficult matchups in the game. Uh, so they would certainly be up there for me. Um, and, and in terms of their experience in the playoffs, that probably moves the needle. So, yeah, I, I think that they would probably be the, the pick in the East. If not, you know, Boston, I think, is pretty talented too. Um, a lot of things got to work for them. But uh, I'm always a little partial to the Celtics too, having lived out there. I don't know. I just got to always bring them up. So, Tim, uh, against the Nets, Kyrie Irving was just, I mean, he was otherworldly. It just couldn't be covered, really. But then in last night's game, you saw what Austin Rivers did down the stretch. When you were coaching, what do you do with a player like that? I saw the Jazz trying to double Kyrie a little bit. Well, what do you do with an Austin Rivers? And he essentially beat the Jazz. So he did beat the Jazz, and... What's crazy about two of the plays he beat the Jazz on where they just weren't, you know, if you're going to talk about what's fair, like the Jazz played really hard defense that entire possession on the first big three he made and ended up, you know, switching around, talking, communicating, and Rudy ended up on him in the perimeter with a couple seconds left. And Rudy, I thought, did a great job. I mean, he got a great contest up, everything you would ask a big guy to do. So they played the possession textbook, and what does he do? He makes one at the buzzer, and that's just part of the game. You know, I think what what really is the undoing, though, is earlier in the game where in the Jazz kind of have it under control, and they have a couple of careless possessions, and it gives, uh, you know, the it, it gives those guys life. And, you know, in the case of, of Kyrie, you know, Kyrie's just, we talked about it in the pregame, but he's so phenomenal. And it was just a, it was in the stars that night in a way, you know, he, he really had his way with Royce, you know, Royce had a hard time. I just think that's a hard matchup. I think I even made the comment that Kevin Durant, you know, that Royce might've had a better, easier time guarding Kevin, you know, rather than being out on an Island trying to keep Kyrie in front of him. Um, and, and what you do, I think that's what the Jazz have done. They, you know, I thought they had a great game plan against Portland and really kind of took, Damian Lillard out of the game. Uh, he, you know, it was by double teams and really paying extra attention to him. And I like what they've shown with the zone. I think there's nights where if they're getting absolutely crushed in isolation uh, defensively, I mean, the zone is a great way to kind of keep Rudy around the basket and, and causing problems around the rim, um, but still be able to, you know, guard the perimeter as well. So, uh, those are some things you would probably look at doing to try to counter some of this stuff. Tim, what do the Cougs have to do to uh, get an upset in Spokane tonight? We also we used to joke that you just got to take uh, 
one of the Kafusi brothers because they were kind of the common thread. Um, but unfortunately, they're graduated, and um, it's going to be a beast. I, I will say this: I love, I love the way that Coach Pope prepares his guys for games like this. Um, I think he keeps them uh, pretty grounded, but at the same time, I think in a situation like this, these guys know. It's the number one team on national television, and we don't even have to play the thing at nine at night. You know, this is more of a kind of in our wheelhouse type of game. Um, so I'm certainly, you know, my thoughts are with them. I've been in that situation, not without fans. I think I'd rather play in the kennel without fans. Um, but unfortunately, the one constant there is just a juggernaut of a program. And we used to joke a lot with, that we were – as hard as we work and as hard as we're trying, we're chasing a ghost. Um, and that's sometimes what it feels like with Gonzaga um, because they just, whatever it is, they seem to have it, and they seem to have it every year. And so it's, it's a difficult proposition, but it has been done before. I walked out there, I've, I've had three wins in Spokane, which, I mean, there's guys in the WCC that have been coaching for 15 years and don't have three. So... <laughs> That's one of you know that's kind of a cool accomplishment that we did and but I don't see why any you know Mark Pope was part of the ones we went up there and, and I don't see and Cody Feger I don't see why any reason why they can't go up there and shock the world but if I were to pick it I think the Gazags probably get them um, tonight up there I, the Cougars lay off 16 days is too many man and they're the best team in college basketball aren't they I, I mean I haven't seen I believe they are them. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. They hung 98 on Virginia, which is just unheard of. You know, Iowa's great, and they just ran away from Iowa. Um, you know, they played – they beat Auburn by 30. Like, they're they're pretty special. And what they have that they've never had is that top high level. They've had NBA talent. They've never had the number one pick or, you know, somebody in the top five. So, uh, well, I guess Morrison, he, he went pretty high. Maybe he wasn't that high. I don't remember. Was he, but, was he like second or something? I, I, have, I don't know. I don't, I don't remember. But this kid, this Suggs kid is something. Like he's, whew, at least in the years I was there, they, this is the best. This is, in my mind, the best team they've had. Tim, how does Alex Barcelo shoot better than 60% at six foot two and taking shots from all over the place? Uh, I think it's that, what we're talking about. I think the kid is. I think he's the hardest. He's, I've just heard this. He's one of the hardest-working guys ever. Uh, I watched him a ton in AAU when he committed to Arizona, and I just remember him all the time. Like, you'd hear a big crash, and you'd look over, and Barcelo would be, you know, sprawled out that he dove for a steal or went into the side of the wall. Or, um, I just think he's, he's a combination of a guy who works really hard, has zero fear in what we're talking about, that mental toughness. Like, he just doesn't – he believes that what – you know, his ball's going to go in the basket. And, and there's just some guys that just will that thing in there. I think he's one of those dudes. Tim, uh, how's Coach Rose doing? You know what? I, I, I think he's doing – he's on certainly improving. Uh, I'm actually right now – and you guys will laugh. You're never not an assistant, right? So <laughs> um, Cheryl called me, and I, I just put an open thing like, hey, no, no request during this time is too big. So – you need me to drive a car to Wendover, or you need me to take something down to Vegas for you, just let me know all the little things I can do. And so thankfully she called me today and asked if I'd go get her. She says, 
going home from the hospital for an hour or two and asked if I'd go clean her car for her. So that's where I'm headed now. All right. I'm in the, I'm in the rig trying to do some good stuff for somebody. Oh, look for at you. you. Yeah, that's unlike you, Tim. But uh, I know. Hey. I've turned over a new leaf. <laughs> Wait, hey, while Dave is on our minds here, what can you tell? What's one thing that you could tell our listeners if they don't know about Dave Rose? Um, man, one that thing you can, that, that you can actually say on the air, you know? Yeah. Well, no, I, yeah, everything. I guess you know, other guys I worked with, so that would be, you know, there would be some areas I would. But you know what? I think one thing that. Uh, maybe people wouldn't know is how much he loves music. I think that's one of the things that he and I really hit it off with. And we've been to, you know, tens of twenties of concerts in, in the time we've worked together. Um, he just loves music. And, uh, and I'm, it's funny because people are sending him videos and getting, uh, you know, that's how they're kind of sending their goodwill to him and everything on phone. So they'll videotape themselves and, bunch of people have incorporated music into it and I, I you know I'm a big believer music is a you know we're gonna have a soundtrack to our life of some sort and coach is a big music guy so I guess that'd be one of the things I talk about I somebody asked me that the other day the other thing I'd say is just how generous he is with his time his money um but I one thing that made a real impact on me was his uh his just generosity in general to the the average person, um, whether it be out on the road, the way you treat janitors and, you know, managers that would stay and keep the gym open when our bus or planes got delayed and coach would, you know, buy him dinner or something. It's just, he was just always looking to try to take care of people. And, and I thought, you know, he was a pretty quiet guy and private guy. In fact, his motto to me when I got the job there is less is more. Um, the less you say, you know, the more impact we'll have. And, and, so there are a lot of lessons I learned, but his generosity was, was a big one for sure. Tim, thank you very much, my friend. We'll see you tomorrow night. Okay. Thanks, guys. Great to be with you. See you, buddy. That's our friend Tim Lacombe, uh, Jazz Prehaf and Post Game, of course, former BYU uh, assistant coach as well. And uh, it's been nice uh, seeing Tim quite a bit, uh, you know, as uh, Coach Rose has been dealing with his issues because I get updates and and uh, from what I can tell, and Tim mentioned it right there, it seems like Coach Rose is, is on the mend. So that's that's really yeah, good news. Really good news. Uh, Jake, let me ask you one question about this game tonight. I think is it a 6.30 tip, the BYU game? I believe Gonzaga? so. One thing that the Cougars would have to do to stay close to this team. Are you asking me? Yes. Something comes to my mind. And okay, go ahead. I thought you were for... going to finish your sentence. Sorry, I didn't oh, mean to leave oh, you hanging. Okay. It sounded. Uh, he's asking himself a question. Yeah. I know you've no, had was... hosts do that to you before. But... Uh, yeah, that's true. He didn't. He didn't go up on the last syllable. You know, like when <laughs> he you're did asking pose it to you, but oh, it was, sorry. Yeah. Okay, that's my fault. The inflection Gordon. was. Not... Why don't you go yeah, first? I'm go not, ahead. I was not asking myself a question. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. I'm sorry. That's my fault. <laughs> Uh, okay, you're going to laugh because this is so simplistic, but if they shoot a high percentage, uh, and I don't know what the number would have to be, but... Yeah, the shots are going to I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. But but really, there are, just like we talk about with the Jazz, there are... 
there are nights when the same team shoots really well and nights when the same team shoots really poorly. If the, if the Cougars don't shoot a high percentage tonight, they're going to lose by 25. So they've got to make baskets in basketball. Yeah, yeah but you know what I mean. Efficiency. I'll say it that Top way. that key to the game, Jake Scott. Got to get more points than the Bulldogs. Jeez, <laughs> oh, I don't know. It's my. I, I, I told you earlier. It's. I, I think they're going to have to make a ton of threes. It's the great equalizer in basketball. They're going to have to shoot them aggressively. And yes, Gordon, brace yourself here. Some of them are going to have to go in. <laughs> in fact, the majority. In fact, yes. You uh, laugh. A high percentage of them oh, okay. are, are laugh, going to have it, to go in. Go ahead and laugh for a ball, to quote uh, Han Solo. But is that what he said? No. Did he say so? What did he say? What are you laughing at, furball? Is that what he said? Yeah. Mm. No, no. He said. Laugh it up, furball. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. So, but it's true. <laughs> it's true. Laugh all you want. You know how I'll know tomorrow has begun? That's going to sound simplistic, but it's true. <laughs> It'll be past 11.59 p.m. <laughs> Here, let me, let now, look. No, no. There are times when a team you can laugh, shoot. Laugh it up for can, a while. No, 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 no. There are times when a team can shoot 45% and still win because they're crashing the boards. They're not turning the ball over. But I am telling you right now, if if the Cougars shoot 50%, then they'll keep it in single digits, the margin. You know, the Sixers play the Nets tonight, Gordon, and I think the key is going to be... 45%? Who maybe can shoot better? Who maybe makes more shots? That's going to be that, really but, but, key. Well, I, mean, I, I, would, I mean, if we were going to go over that, 45%? <laughs> Sometimes teams don't have to necessarily be that efficient offensively, and they can still win. That's 50% be- stupid. <laughs> it's a make-or-miss league, Austin. Oh, jeez. Uh, hold on. Let me write you that know, one down. If you miss a lot of shots, it's tough to win basketball games. It's like we might as well have had Mark Pope on the air right here, Thomas. The keys <laughs> to the game. Sometimes a team can win by rebounding. Sometimes a team can win by playing tough defense. Sometimes a team can win by by sharing the ball. And I'm just saying that BYU can keep it close if they shoot near 50%. Or if they food poison the Gonzaga team. How many, uh, how many uh, games uh, have been won when, the, uh, when a team makes no shots? <laughs> uh, well, by the team who made no shots? By, yeah, by that team. I'll check the numbers, but I don't remember one I off know, the top of my head. I know, nothing's coming to mind for but me. There, there have been plenty of times when a team has shot 45% and won. But you understand, here's the, here's the issue. When when you ask, like, what can the Cougars do? 45%? You're, you're asking for maybe something strategic, or at least that's what I think you're going for, <laughs> not that shots need to go in. That just All doesn't right. feel like, you well, know. That's not what I said. Well, it is kind of that's what I said. That's exactly what you said. <laughs> at, at an efficient clip. What the I'm Cougars making that Because sometimes, <laughs> sometimes teams don't have to do that. What do the Cougs need to do? Insight tonight? you get only here, fellas. <laughs> to get a win over Gonzaga. Well, they got to make some shots. You guys, that's <laughs> not what I said. That is what you said. Well, it is, but I'm talking about percentages. 
You know, as I said, sometimes a team can shoot 45% and hit the boards hard, get in transition, and win. But the Cougars can't do that. They cannot win. They cannot come close to winning unless they shoot even better than that. What do they need to do in transition? Make shots? (laughs) More. (laughs) (laughs) All right, stay tuned. We've got Rob of the Day coming up. There are so many other ways to win basketball games, you guys. You know, I mean... I know you haven't. You're not as familiar with the game as I am. But you know, I mean, there, yeah, there are could be other... a forfeit, Jake. Yeah, because they need to. <laughs> shots need to go in. Is such a nuanced, informed take. <laughs> Laugh it up, Jake. <laughs> it took me, you know, eight decades to learn that, but I finally figured it out. Stay tuned. Drop the day next. Ninety-seven-five and twelve-eighty. The zone. Well, I mean, I, maybe I would. I mean, if we were going to over that forty-five percent, or if you missed yesterday's uh, sounds. Uh, uh, of various uh, clips, then you won't know exactly what we're talking about right now. But that is definitely appointment radio, isn't it? show gordon monson jake scott 97.5 and 1280 the zone time for sounds of various clips also known as drop of the day austin likes uh um sometimes getting our our what natural reaction to things so you and i gordon have not heard this yet but we have he, not, no. he sent me the lead in here and uh, i'll just read it and then we'll get right to it here uh let's see austin says uh people in queens new york are being terrorized by an aggressive squirrel or possibly a group of squirrels, several people have reported attacks, including a woman who said it felt like she was losing an MMA fight. Ooh. All right, here you go. It was so fast. He had his claws out. It's not like he was jumping and jumping away. He was there. Ah! Just basically runs up my leg, and I'm like, okay, squirrel, what are you doing? He either bit me or scratched me on, on my neck, and then I must have, like, reached over or do something, and next thing I know, it's an MMA cage match, and I'm losing. I tried to shake it off, but I can't. The squirrel has claws cling onto your um, winter jacket. When we have to leave the house, we have to carry mom's homemade pepper spray to make sure... <laughs> Because if the squirrel comes at us, then we spray it. Wow. <laughs> Mom's homemade pepper spray. Jeez. <laughs> I've, t- I've talked about the aggressive squirrel in my yard, but that's that's nothing. Imagine <laughs> being attacked by a squirrel. It sounds terrible. That's this woman that said it scratched her bitter. Shouldn't she go? Rabies. Yeah. yeah, yeah right. Maybe that's, check into that. I've yeah. seen old yeller. And squirrels usually are a little more timid than that. I mean, I would worry that that was a rabbit it's got a squirrel. a taste for human blood <laughs> That's, and likes it. That is that is. Okay, so I've got two squirrels. I've got three squirrel stories. All right, How the about first pick one, the best one? Yeah, because we I, do when have I was, a... Yeah. When, I was, uh, when I was young, I used to go out in my backyard and feed. I, you'd hold out like a pecan, some sort of nut, and a squirrel would come up and take it out of your hand. And so squirrels were my friends. Second squirrel story, uh, I, uh, our good friend Kevin Graham, uh, he and I were going back to cover, I, forget, I think it was BYU, Notre Dame or something like that. 
And uh, Kevin went into his hotel room, and there was a squirrel in it, and it chased him out of the room. Was he, like, in a shady motel? <laughs> I don't what think What do you mean so. there was a squirrel was in a, his hotel room? There was a I squirrel can't operate in elevators. His, there was a squirrel in his hotel room. He didn't know where it came from. Somebody must have left a window open or something. It was in the same hotel where I was. It was not a bad hotel. But there was a wild rabbit, and it was so funny because we laughed at him because he was acting like he had, you know, a lion in his room or something. And, of course, the third one is a little bit of a sad story, but I was delivering papers when I was a kid, and uh, I saw a squirrel that had been run over, uh, but only the back end of it had been run over, and it was crawling along the road with its front uh, feet, claws, whatever. I killed a kitty. But the back end of him was squished. And I Did didn't you know finish him do. off? No, I probably should have, but I, I couldn't get myself to do it. I've had to do that. Have you? The garage shut down on half of a squirrel, and I had to end oh. things for him. Poor little thing. Golf but I had, a, I had a affinity for squirrels when I was a kid because I used to feed them. I liked them. I thought they were friends. Uh, we have a squirrel in our backyard that likes to eat my wife's favorite pillows that are on our uh, on our uh, deck furniture. That gets a little. Uh, I had planned on playing Jake's infamous mob boss squirrel story here, but let's hear it. We're out we, of time. we we got some. Oh, more. We got time. We got. We some don't. More. It's like five and a half minutes. We long. got some more uh, intriguing squirrel stuff in, in this segment. Uh, you want to play it I'm, anyway? No, okay. I don't. I say play it. Uh, we'll get into more coming up how next. Often, how often do we get on squirrel stories? Apparently a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you have three of them. Four. That's true. You, four. You forgot about the eating something on the back porch. Yeah. Yep. <sighs> All right. Uh, we'll get back into sports coming up next. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big thanks, by the way, at the top of the five o'clock hour, Tim Lacombe jumped on with us, uh, giving us our Jazz Insider Report, which is presented as always by Cypress Credit Union with the lowest fees and quickest keys. Cypress has the home loan product that is perfect for you. Visit any Cypress branch or cypresscu.com for uh, details. Uh, Gordon, we uh, talked about this a little bit earlier in the show when we heard from uh, Hans Olsen, but it looks like there are reports out there, and uh, it's official. BYU offensive line coach Eric Mateos will now join Jeff Grimes at Baylor. Apparently, Mateos said, uh, uh, anyway, uh, there was a rumor out there that he tried to hire Pew uh, at Baylor, his former protege at BYU, but uh, was not able to. So now Mateos will be going to Baylor with uh, Jeff Grimes. Yeah, so BYU has to find themselves a really good offensive line coach. And I don't know whether there's somebody on staff who can do that or if they have to go outside, but 
that is such an important part of what they tried to do. And I thought that was interesting when A-Rod was being interviewed. That's one of the first things he brought up was being physical up front to make the offense work. So it must have been on his mind right from jump. I'm not sure who Jay Hill's offensive line coach is right now, but that's who I'm hiring. Brent Myers. There you go. That's that's what I'm doing. Because it seems like any local school that has needed a, a good uh, position coach just raids Jay's staff, and it's turned out pretty well. <laughs> just go get him, huh? Just uh, who's Jay got? Yeah, let's let's go hire that guy. <laughs> and I, I yeah. say that jokingly, but actually it's a real compliment to, to Jay Hill because at that level, as you know, Gordon, if you do find a good coach, they're probably not long for your program. And he's done a, a fine, fine job of, of finding young coaches and, and grooming them to be good coaches because I'm not sure exactly what they're paying position coaches at Weber State, but it's not a zillion dollars. You know what I mean? You, they have to yeah. go find uh, up-and-comers in the, in the profession, and Jay has been really, really good at that. I mean, uh, certainly look no further than, than Fessy Satake. And the last couple of guys that they've had, like Mateos, where did he? He didn't have some glossy background at big programs. You know, so uh, maybe maybe there's somebody out there that uh, A-Rod has his eye on, but they got to get a good one because they have to keep that momentum going with the success up front. And that's something that you brought up a lot, Jake, that, that that is an area where BYU should thrive every single year because they can recruit those kinds of players. Yeah, historically at least, and you you would think so. And, yeah, I, I totally believe that. They need to keep it, keep it going. They need to dominate up front. And uh, that, that really has led to success throughout BYU's you know, successful years. Yeah, and they, they have talent left over. I know they're losing Brady Christensen, but, and he's a really good player, but they still have, uh, they still have some good guys up front that uh, should be able to get the job done if properly coordinated. So that's, uh, that's the goal, I'm sure, that A-Rod's looking for. I assume it's A-Rod who has some authority in this. Uh, Kalani obviously would have the final say i imagine yeah i mean I'm, I'm sure you know the offensive staff will be involved in the in the selection and and they'll go out and find somebody i wonder you know where is byu on kind of that job how much are they going to pay you know they, they i think part of the reason mateos and 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 pew before him were there was because they were affordable as you mentioned mateos's background was not uh, full of tons of experience. So, you know, as usual, uh, you wonder what BYU is paying out to, to get a coaching staff. It's one of the most common complaints you hear about uh, what's going on down there. But maybe a little bit of that has changed. And uh, But either way, you're right. They're going to have to spend the money wisely and find the best person for the job. When he was offered uh, by Jeff Grimes to go to Baylor, do you think he came back to BYU and said, hey, you know, they're they're going to offer me this. Can you uh, Can you match that? Or do you think... He didn't go back and forth at all. I have no clue. I, I would guess that Baylor's paying him more than BYU can. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I really don't. No, I don't either. But, I, I I mean, if BYU, he seemed happy here. I mean, he, he was very outspoken about it. So I, I would guess if BYU were somewhere in their neighborhood financially, he'd consider staying. I don't know. But usually when... The Cougars lose a coach. That's that's where my my mind goes first. I mean, it's why Bronco took his whole staff there to Virginia. You would think that BYU would be able to utilize that uh, that group they have, that booster group they have, that's willing to help uh, shell out some money to keep good coaches in place, unless from the top down they are asked to limit that for some reason. But uh, you know, they 
They have some fairly wealthy boosters down there on that BYU program, and uh, no names, no specific names come to mind, right, Jake? Uh, no, but I don't know. I, can that always be the answer, though, to your coaching staff woes? Go to the booster group? Well, I mean, yeah, if they're, and that's what their purpose was initially, and I think they still do it, is get the guys together and say, or the women, whoever, and say, uh, yeah, um, we, we want this coach uh, who can help out, and they, they find a way. But I've always been uncomfortable with that, by the way. Because you don't think boosters should uh, have any say-so and that sort of thing? And then that grants them that uh, It gives them some advantage. internal leverage that I don't yeah, know is... Talk and, to and, Phil Knight about that, right? But, but see, uh, maybe that's just me being naive and that happens no matter what. But if I'm a head coach and I've got somebody not in the program paying one of my coaches, uh, I would be uncomfortable with that. Because... I'm not sure that that's the way it works, Jake. I well, I mean, it could work that way, but I, I Isn't always that had what you're people... inferring. I, well, yeah, I was I was under the impression that they pool money together and then not and I'm not sure that it's for any one specific coach, but it's pooled together in a general pool to be able to draw from in order to pay coaches maybe maybe uh, maybe it works the way you said i i'm not exactly well, sure i, I don't just know. do i do know that those guys exist and they get together and they do drum up funds yeah but i mean i i mean pool i guess it doesn't really make a difference i'd be uncomfortable like if if well my offensive coordinator called a run play on third and thir- uh, you know third and three <laughs> and uh, my my top booster is unhappy about it and comes down and starts making crazy demands uh, that's it, it, that's it, kind of the way the world works isn't it well, you have a little more leverage when they're not paying the salary, I think. Well, well I mean, we, I mentioned Phil Knight jokingly, but Phil used to have a a, a coach's booth for himself, you know? I mean, they, you think they're not going to roll out the red carpet for that guy? Well, I mean, it... it so it was, he does it have say-so, probably. A, and he probably has say who gets hired as a head coach. Okay. It, well, first of all, it was a telephone that went to directly to the coach's line from his <laughs> box. And second of all, just because it's fine for Uncle Phil doesn't make it right. And if I were the Oregon athletic director, I would certainly be uncomfortable with some of those arrangements. Yes, 100%. Maybe, but you'd be less, less comfortable if uh, you didn't have anybody that was willing to pay enough money to for your program to make the advances that Oregon has since Phil got involved. I guess, maybe. But if I were an up-and-coming athletic director, I'd probably think twice before I took the Oregon job for that reason. I think that's the way it is almost everywhere, one way or another, isn't it? I don't know. Doesn't make it right. Yeah, it makes it, it complicates it because you have more more cooks in the kitchen. And a bunch of non-football people who, who want to make football decisions. Yeah, it's but do they really – you think Phil Knight sits there and goes, I don't like this coach or I don't like that yes. player? Yes, I do. Do you really? Uh-huh. I'm not I, – I, it's like when we talked about Ryan Smith taking over the Jazz. Is he going to get involved in every decision or is he going to rely on the people who are in place to make those decisions uh, but it's and make his, sure that – It's his franchise. Yeah. Yeah. There's a difference well, between a booster and the, the uh, booster does not own the university. The, the, no, the Ducks are Phil Knight's franchise. Come on. No, they're they're not. They're a, a, a public university, actually. They're Oregon's university. I, I understand, but they're Phil Knight's. Again, That's that doesn't you. make that right. And uh, uh, still makes me uncomfortable. You can wave Phil Knight all you want. Still, in fact, it's it's kind of cheating, to be honest. 
in that particular case, but I don't know. Uh, maybe there's a reason I'm not in college athletics because that's sort of. I don't know. This sounds like something but, that this sounds like something the college basketball coach would say, but uh, it's happening probably everywhere. All right. Well, then now I just assume that you are cheating on your taxes. <laughs> never. Because it happens everywhere, Gordon. No, so I, no I not here. That. No, it doesn't. That doesn't happen everywhere. People cheating on their taxes? Uh, yeah. Everywhere? Are you kidding? Don't mess with the IRS. Have you have you heard the radio ads that run over and over and over again that are like trouble with the IRS? Call one eight hundred get bent. <laughs> I don't know anything about that. All I know is that's that's a group I don't want to uh, to cheat on. Well, that's I'm a, just assuming you are because everybody's doing it. So I am not. Everyone isn't doing it. Well, I don't think everyone's letting boosters pay their coaches' salaries either. Well, uh, the top t- top twenty programs are, don't you think? No, I think both. I think boosters donate to the school, but do I think there's some collective fund where they directly pay the coaches? No, I don't. Uh, who pays Nick Saban's ten million dollars a year or whatever? Alabama. It is? You can look into their revenue breakdown. You can yeah, look but into where how do they get it from? They they generate it. TV deals, ticket sales, all that stuff. You don't think any boosters are involved in that at all? In his base salary? I doubt it. Mm. All right. Well, I don't know. I just sort of assume that that's the way it works. I don't think it does most That's places. why they have booster clubs. I think it probably works that way at a lot of private schools. No, booster, but booster clubs donate to the university. They don't donate to, they don't, they're not directly paying salaries. Well, I, I don't know the mechanics of it, but I do know that that, I forget the name of it, but at BYU they have is a pre, I, I can't remember the name of it now, but I know a couple guys who are involved in it and uh, honk they they do they do they do help pay those salaries. I know that's what I'm Somehow. saying. I don't know if I'd be that comfortable with that, but it's just me. Obviously, they softy cake. Other people make different decisions. Get with the times, Jake Scott. I mean, what do you tell one of those boosters when they say, "Have you seen the old line? Did you see them last week? They suck. Fire that man immediately." Uh, well, I don't. But I think I don't think that's the way it works. Who among us I, is without sin, Jake? <laughs> can that O line coach, if uh, if he's not on the or if he's on the field on Monday at practice, then you can kiss my donation goodbye. I think they do. Have I think a good a guy day, like, sir. I think a guy like T Boone Pickens or or uh, you know Phil Knight, uh, they they probably do. Uh, have some say so in who's hired as a head coach, and if you're uncomfortable with that, fine. But but I don't think they meddle. I with, know for uh, a fact with with, that... uh, with uh, you know decisions that are made during a game on the field. I know for a fact T Boone Pickens does not pay one red cent of Mike Gundy's salary. For a fact, stone cold. How do you know that? He's dead. Well. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, but how, how, all those nice new facilities they have down there in Oklahoma State, where do you think that came from? Good old-fashioned, never-corrupt oil money. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think about the way things work at USC. I mean, as I've often quoted Norm Chow as saying, USC gets what USC wants, and it's because of those money people behind the program. <laughs> Jake's very proud of himself here, Gordon. <laughs> he got you with a you didn't dead get joke. me? I know that T. Boone Pickens is dead. <laughs> I don't think you did.
That's like that. He was paying those USC boosters. Richard Milhouse Nixon. <laughs> I knew Team Boone Pickens was dead. We talked about it earlier this, whenever it happened. Century. I hear Teddy Kennedy is paying the Harvard coach. <laughs> You're proud of yourself for that? Sheesh. A low bar. <laughs> oh, man, so low. <laughs> Stay tuned for more next 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. 12? Wrapping up the big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, tune in tomorrow. We're going to be out at the warehouse, 1825 South, 300 West. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. It's the warehouse. We'll be uh, hanging out there for pregame coverage as well as the Jazz take on the Bucks tomorrow. That pregame coverage will get going at uh, 5 o'clock. A pretty tough opponent uh, when you're looking to break a yeah. two-game losing streak. No doubt, and as we talked about earlier in the show, the Bucks averaging a, oh, better than 125 points a game, and I think the defense has given up like 111. And the Jazz, what are they averaging? About 108 points, something like that. They got uh, they got some uh, correcting to do if they get any practice time to get that straightened out. Well, the Bucks haven't been invincible though. Uh, they're five and three. They lost. Yeah. They've got a loss to that Knicks team we saw last night. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the way the NBA has gone thus far for just about everybody but Philly and maybe Phoenix and L.A., uh, the Lakers. But uh, there's there's a lot of back and forth on a lot of these teams. That I mean, you mentioned Toronto earlier. I am shocked by that. What are they, one in six? Yeah, yeah, they're really struggling. Uh, it, you, and I can't explain that one because Toronto was really good last year. Even without Kawhi Leonard, they were really good. Yeah. It'd be one and six. I mean, that's that's tough to explain, I suppose. So, so I guess I'd look at it this way, Jake. You can look at it two different ways. The Jazz have a tough opponent to try and get out of this slump, but maybe you know facing a team like that will get them charged up and get them to focus more, get them to to bring their A game. You know, I. So maybe there's an advantage to it. I guess you can look at it either way. Yeah, they've been lacking a charge in uh, three out of well. Let's see, what would be fair? Uh, like uh, six out of the last eight quarters they've lacked a charge. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. So, yeah, they they need some sort of uh, response. But Milwaukee's really tough, and the Greek Freak is really tough. And Drew Holiday is tough, and they're a really good defensive team and offensive and, team. And those guys are often tough on the Jazz from past uh, outings, so we'll see how it goes. But I think uh, their their victory or loss will depend on, on if they make some shots. <laughs> well, yeah, but they have other avenues by which they can win. They could, you know, re hit the boards hard. They could play defense. They could stop, uh, you know, uh, the Bucks from getting into transition. They could. All, I, all I'm telling ball. you, Gordon, is if they don't make shots, they're going to lose. If they make shots, they're going to win. <laughs> you know, who told you that? That's I absolutely brilliant. Just a wise man keeps hitting me over the head with it. <laughs> all right, enough of that. <laughs> all right, buddy, you enjoy your night. I'll, I'll catch up with you tomorrow. All right, thanks, Jake. Hope everyone has a good evening. It's the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.